Hello, and welcome to this special series of episodes called 29 Days of Magic. During Black History Month, the month of February, I'll be interviewing a Black woman a day who's from business and entrepreneurship. You name it, I'm going to have a chat with her. The idea for this is to show off the amazingness of Black women throughout various industries. I hope you take a listen, like, share, review, and be inspired by these incredible stories. Take a listen. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, Flash. Each episode, I bring on a different business leader, entrepreneur, game changer, who's doing phenomenal work. And this episode is no different. I'm so excited to have Kim Alexis Newton, who's the president of Alexis Enterprises. We're going to talk about her really remarkable career story, what she's doing now, and where she's headed. It's going to be a fantastic conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Kim. Hey, Laura. Great to be here. Likewise to have you on the show. Um, so we'll jump right in. Every podcast has the same first question, and I am fascinated. I think your answer is going to be great. <laughs> Kim, what was your first job? Man, so my first job, first, first, first job, and then I'll talk about like my first career job, but my first job was working in retail. Um, I worked at Macy's in the baby department. It was, uh, it was actually a great first job because it turned me onto marketing and merchandising and product management. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area, so headquarters was right in San Francisco. So I was exposed ah. to not just the retail side, but when my buyer would come to town, um, which was just across the bridge, <laughs> you know, I got a sneak peek into his career as well. So I got an undergrad in accounting um, and interned in accounting and found out I didn't want to work one day in accounting. In accounting. <laughs> and yes. Um, and so I went straight through. I went to Fisk University undergrad, HBCU. Um, and then my dad went there and made me go. That's a whole nother story. Um, I'm so happy he did. I might have picked a different HBCU, but I love Fisk. Um, was Miss Fisk. Awesome. I turned it out. Ah. It was fantastic. Um, you, were, you were that girl. I was, I was Miss Fisk. You know, a lot of college queens, you actually get free tuition. So it's a scholarship, um, more than just like a queendom. Um, and of course, the legacy side of it was very cool as well. Uh, but I went straight through to Vanderbilt, got an MBA in marketing. And uh, as we will talk about, Laura, I have a huge creative side to me. So I wanted mm -hmm. to enter art and business. Um, so I had offers from, um, you know, consulting firms and uh, Procter and Gamble. Uh, but I decided to go to Hallmark um, and where I could integrate both the art and the business at the time. They had the largest creative community next to Disney. Um, and oh, wow. yeah, so I, um, I rotated around and my first job was managing Mahogany, which is their African-American greeting card line. So that's a long answer, but that was my first job, 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 real job. <laughs> like could do oh, something with the money job. Yeah. I was going to say like you actually had money to do something. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, because so I remember when Mahogany first came out, I, I thought I was a little munchkin and um, I had been like, oh, wow, you can actually make cards that speak to a different community. What a yes. concept. Like, yes. <laughs> like, duh. What was yeah. it like working on a project like that and kind of seeing it and and how it's been able to kind of continue to grow and rise over the years? Well, um, you know, I was at Hallmark for 23 years. I left 18 months ago. 
and I've managed wow. mahogany um, at three different levels. So on the ground, you know, as the frontline product manager, that was amazing. Um, at the time, we um, my first year. <laughs> I spent with Yama Van Zandt. This was awesome. So we had taken Acts of Faith, her first book, and uh, you know it was daily inspirations, and we made it into a card line. And we took her on a eight city card signing tour. So just like a, a book signing tour, but we were in Walgreens and WalMarts, and um, oh my, got to travel with the Yama for uh, like months. Um, and it was so much fun. <laughs> I was so gonna say like, did she? Did, how many times did you say fix your life? I, well, you know, this before, was before you know life. she made it really super big. But it was I was dating, who is now my husband at the time, and I used to say things like, "I forgive myself for that," and he goes, "Oh my God, you've been talking to a Yama." I'm like, "Yes, I have. Yeah, I have. <laughs> yes, I have." Um, but she was amazing. Uh, but we did projects with TD Jakes and um, my aunt's an artist, and she actually had. Um, they used her artwork on the product, uh, but it was fantastic. I mean, it was a huge business, 91% brand awareness. Um, we did events. It was just, it was so much fun. Like I felt like I had won the jackpot for sure. It was great. But I also managed awesome. Hispanic and Jewish and launched an Asian line. Um, so, and I have an Asian, I have a Chinese stepmother at the time. So it was all in the multicultural world. It was great. So. Yes. Wow. First so job. what made you, what made you stay for 23 years at Hallmark? Yeah. So I had a two-year plan. That was, <laughs> <a good plan. laughs> um, I'm one of 22 grandchildren, literally Kansas city oh was, God. uh, where Hallmark is. And the only place that I didn't have family, um, and year one, I met my now husband. Um, and so, we started dating. Um, I actually got a job at Disney, um, but I was like, he's kind of cute and Hallmark promoted <laughs> me, so I stayed. <laughs> I love um, that premise. He was kind of cute. And it so, was kind of cute. What? And, yeah, and I got a promotion. It was one of those, you know, hey guys, I got another offer. And they're like, no, you don't, you have a promotion. I'm like, great. Um, so I ended up becoming the marketing manager for the Ethnic Business Center. And, um, you know, honestly, the answer is, I uh, continued to learn and grow, and I saw the company from several different um, lenses, right? And so I think we're going to talk about my career, but I, I was able to really grow as a leader. And one of the things that attracted me to Hallmark is while I came through marketing, they were very comfortable with cross-pollinating people across functions. Um, and so... Uh, I, in fact, I spent my first year there before I got my first role, permanent role in something called a, a, a leadership rotational program. Um, and I saw the company from a bunch of di different lenses in the beginning. So um, I can just transition into that whole Hallmark career. So I talk about it in three chapters. Chapter one was all things marketing. So we already talked about multicultural marketing, but um, also over the retail network, which at the time was 4,000 stores. Um, oh, I wow. did product marketing, retail marketing, um, even went to a subsidiary for a little bit and was their vice president of marketing and this uh, you know, personalized stationery. And so I was able to grow a lot and do a lot of different kind of marketing. Um, and then chapter two, I call my cross-functional leader. 
uh, chapter where um, I was on my first business transformation. So I consider myself more of a transformation leader because I was on several transformations. Um, and we were changing about 80% of the processes and I was innovation and commercialization, speed to market, that kind of stuff. Um, and then went and ran a product PL that was about a billion dollars and that was their everyday card business. Um, so think about cards you can send any day of the year, birthday, sympathy, thank you, that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, and that was, that was fun as well because Hallmark's in like, I don't know, every retail store outlet, <laughs> but about 40,000 doors. Um, and so Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, every grocery store almost, you know, so a lot of great retail partnerships. And then, um, and then chapter three, I was plucked out of that role to go into strategy because they really wanted a operational mindset in strategy. And, um, you know, sometimes there's different kinds of strategy teams are like in internal consultants or outsource brains for the CEO, or they just push a process. I really didn't want to push a process. So, um, they were resetting the strategy team to be more of an internal consultant. And so we would take on projects for our retail and uh, product business, so the greeting card business and, and innovation. And then I shifted, these are my last few years, I shifted to corporate strategy. So Hallmark also owns Crayola and is in- Oh, uh, really? Uh-huh, wow. yeah. All the toys I love, because yes. I'll tell you my I'll tell you my Hallmark story. When okay. Okay, well, yeah, so they own Crayola and um, Crown Media. So think of the Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, um, a bunch of channels, and then in like 100 countries. So there's a big global business. So I was able to expose myself to those more intimately. Um, and then the very last role I was in was in consumer experience for anything that was Hallmark branded. Um, so each business was kind of rolling their own, if that makes sense, uh, you know, uh, though they were Hallmark branded. And so the CEO, um, which Hallmark was private, is privately held, grandson runs the business, wanted to really come together and say, what do we all have in common from a Hallmark brand standpoint and what's the future of the brand? And so kind of, you know, I was like, you had me at growth on that um, and really started to look at the lens of data and digital and try to, you know, snap things up and fix things up. So that was super fun. Um, so that was kind of my, my three chapters at Hallmark. Um, and that's why I stayed for 23 years because I was able to grow and, uh, but also help the company. You know, I, I always want to not just gain a paycheck, but I believe, and I, my purpose is to help people and organizations meet their potential. Um, so I was always about potential. And that's why I took the roles I did. Awesome. Such a great story. So my, so my thing Hallmark about Hallmark, story. well, it, it, it's a, it is a love story because um, our family does Hallmark, always does Hallmark cards from the time that I was able to write my name. Um, so as a joke, for whatever reason, um, my brothers always used to give me like really hilarious, obnoxious cards. Um, and as we got older, we kind of got our parents in on the joke as well. So we always got like the ones that were all funny, like we would never get the serious cards. Mm -hmm. uh, and to this day, so we're talking like 30 years later, it's still the thing that we do for every birthday, 
Valentine's oh, Day, uh, Christmas. Uh, and then on Christmas Eve, what we do is we do all our shopping on Christmas Eve as a family because we're crazy. Um, and so <laughs> the one thing we do on the last thing we always do is race around to either find a Hallmark store or now usually at Walgreens, um, get the Hallmark cards for everybody for Christmas. And it and so what I do on the cards now is I write a little story on the front of the card uh, uh, that is some sort of obnoxious joke about whoever it is. So if it's about my mom, it's like, you know, I, I know I just hired you a maid because you won the lottery or it's <laughs> my dad. It's like we're sending the, you know, we're sending, you know, we're sending your car to be clean because we just got you a brand new Porsche Panamera. Or if it's my brother's, it's some fabulous like um, place in Bali that that's your, your new address on there. But it, 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 we give cards. Like that is a thing we do. And like at Christmas time, you'll see like four or five cards on one table on Christmas Eve. And on Christmas morning, it explodes because if you multiply five cards by five people, you have yes. all these cards on this table. And oh, it's just something really choice. wonderful and, and tangible about it that like, it wouldn't be a thing. Like if we don't give a card, like as you can probably guess that I have a bunch of cards on my, on my desk now from my birthday last week. Aww, <laughs> like, happy belated, by the way. Happy belated. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so like, it, like, it's funny that like a brand that has that um, like kind of resonance, but like, it's a thing that we as a family do, like we mm -hmm. always give cards. Um, and like, and if you forget, like you, like my one time my brother forgot to like send the cards to my dad or something and like, it became a thing. It became a thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like, how could you forget? You ended up mailing oh. a card after the fact. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like it, it, and it, it is there is something about the brand that, you know, makes us because you have a supply of funny cards because like we thought the idea of being super sentimental was cheesy. And, and so and once you get your parents to do the same thing and you like you get the ones that have a sense of humor that and get the ones that have a little bit of snark and those are the ones you want to give. Um, uh, and and even if you write like a really nice message inside, the joke is the joke is a part. It should make you laugh, as well make you smile. So, I do have a, a deep love of Hallmark for that. Well, that's great. So that's that's wonderful tradition. And um, the advice I'd give you is just send them a card, um, not on Christmas and not for their birthday, and see what happens. Just see what happens. Just send it any day of the year. Just because sometimes those are the ones that. Um, make the biggest impression and um, you know you're able to kind of break through so I love hearing about those traditions but yeah I was I was all up in the the relationship world and um, the Hallmark world for for 23 years until about 18 months ago before COVID hit but left so good timing on your part <laughs> mm -hmm. <Yes. laughs> so what made you decide to to step away after 23 years yeah, so I um at about 20 years in, um, you know, I I never expected to be at the same place for 20 years, right? And I was just feeling like I needed to disrupt myself, if that makes sense. Um, and just on general principle almost. And there wasn't anything really wrong. Um, but I I just wanted to to disrupt myself. So I decided that I was going to explode my network. Um and start thinking about, you know, what did I want to do next? And I uh, did things like I joined the network of executive women. Um, 
the Executive Leadership Council for African-American leaders. Um, I also, um, I was on a retreat with, uh, I think we've even talked spa, spa retreats with girlfriends. Um, mm-hmm. And I was talking to my friends about this and they were like, one of them was like, you need to do the Henry Crown Fellowship at the Aspen Institute. And I'm like, I don't even know what, what that is the Crown Fellowship. Um, I was like, great, okay, I'll do it. What is it? <laughs> you know? And then I found out yeah. that it was this really amazing success to significance um, fellowship that is two years uh, long, but it's not like just something I could join. Um, actually, it's like 600 people are nominated and like 60 people are interviewed and only 20 are chosen. And you have to be under a certain age. And I was right at that age. Um, so I, I went about investigating it and figured out some folks who could nominate me. And miraculously, I got in, which was pretty amazing. But it was, it was really an inflection point for me. So they make you articulate your inflection point. So I knew I was at one, but I didn't know quite what it was. So this idea of having to articulate what is it about this moment that has me open to the next thing that really started to open the, the, the you know, my juices on what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And you have to start a venture. And the only things that you have to pay attention to with the venture, the only requirements are that, you know, it makes the world a better place and you're extremely passionate about it. Well, there's a lot of things that fall in that bucket for me. Um, but I mentored hundreds of women, um, black women, but all women. And honestly, I, I, I pride myself in um, being a developer of people and men and women. But I was, I was noticing something, Laura, in that, in that um, there were so many women in particular, men too, that were coming to me about how do they climb that corporate ladder or slay this goal or that goal. And they were doing it, but they were extremely overwhelmed while being underwhelmed, if that makes sense. <laughs> so I know exactly super, what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, super, super like, but just continuing and not wanting to get off that treadmill. And so I was like, what's up with that? Um, so I'm gonna finish the Hallmark story and then I'll go back to that. So. Um, I was on vacation a couple weeks before um, I left and I was in Jamaica. I watched the sunrise and I was like, God, what do you want me to do? Because there's this huge creative side of me and I really wanted to launch a business. And I said, you know what? I I need signals. Give me signals. Um, (laughs) And then it was a really long conversation because I'm not good with signals. So I was like, hey, God, no, forget that. Forget the signal part. (laughs) that I need you to make it painfully clear what you want. Make me it clear. To make it clear. And honestly, three weeks later, uh, my boss, the CEO, decides to step away from the business. A new CEO comes in and he decides he wants to go a different direction than the work that I was leading. And I was like, okay, well, look at God. There is God. So I, I ended up leaving Um, and did not rush back into corporate America. I mean, that was the big thing for me was that I really just wanted to to step back and say, I have some options, I could go back, but what is it that I really want to do? Um, And this is when the venture comes in. Um, And I had done a couple rounds of research on my own dime, 400 women, nearly 400 women, and a a psychographic study. So both quantitative and uh, qualitative to study why are, why are women so ambitious, but at the same time, well, I shouldn't say I started out with ambitious, like what's up with accomplished women? That's, that's really what the question was. And I found out that we're 
91% unapologetically, uh, you know, ambitious, but came back 87% said they were completely overwhelmed, both where I think is 81% for personally overwhelmed and 78% professionally overwhelmed, but we're in control. Um, they felt like they were in control, or at least they said that, um, but only 36% were following their dreams. And I found that quite amazing. Um, and I just went back over the research myself. And what I saw was that I forgot this one little part that these ambitious women, I would call myself one of them, dream literally like every day or every week. So the rate of dreaming is there, but hmm. actually following their dreams was not there. So I figured out women need three things, permission to pause, you know, tools to help them navigate what is it that I really want, and then strategies to fight fear, because fear was by far the number one thing that got in the way. Fear of failure, fear of the unknown, um, fear of not making as much money, uh, fear of letting people down, um, because their ambition wasn't just to be ambitious. It was, it was for other people. They were ambitious so they could be a great mom or be, be a great daughter or, you know, be able to have financial flexibility. So there was a lot in that whole ambition thing. Um, so yeah, so I, I decided, you know, I really want to get after how do I help women with this issue? And then I had my own dream that I was working on myself. I'm a quilter. I had quilted for several years, uh, 20 years. In fact, my grandmother taught me how to quilt, but my quilts aren't like what you probably are thinking when you say, think a quilt, <laughs> they're like, pictorial quilts, um, portrait quilts. They, they have images and words on them. Um, and yeah, so I keep talking, but I guess that's the point. But, you know, it was a, it was a really interesting moment for me to say, am I going to resist the familiar or am I going to try to follow my own dreams while I've noticed that there are so many women that aren't? Wow, awesome. I love that. We're so excited to have Soho Works as the sponsor for the 29 Days of Magic campaign. You know, they're designed by Soho House and their workspaces to help creative thinkers, businesses small and large, connect, collaborate, and grow. And it's where I'm recording all the episodes of 29 Days of Magic. It's a safe, wonderful, and collaborative experience. Uh, I'm currently in the Brooklyn location, but they have locations, one else in New York City, in the Meatpacking District, one in LA, five in the UK, and they give you that kind of home away from home feeling with all the tools, technology, equipment to help you do your best work. Uh, like I said, it's an amazing location, feel safe. I've you know been able to meet some really awesome people, which you haven't been able to do a lot because of the fact of COVID. So it's been a wonderful experience being able to re record here and help build community. So if you want to find out more information about it, please go to SohoWorks.com to get more information and tell them I sent you. And now back to the show. And so, what'd you do? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll just keep going. Okay. I, um, I, I decided I was going to do something called a walkabout um, where I, and I got this idea from a good friend who said, make a list of 20 people that you want to meet with. Um, don't talk to them about getting a job, but talk to them about these big moments where they've had to make a transition or they've had to you know, figure out what they're going to do next and see how they make that decision and what they've learned. And don't like, 
don't limit who's on that list because you'd be surprised at who will talk to you when you don't want anything from them. Um, and so I had an amazing list um, and you know, I don't want to get too deep into that walkabout thing, but it was, it was amazing. I talked to artists, I talked to writers, I talked to entrepreneurs, I talked to VCs and people in private equity and corporate leaders and um, my corporate crushes, uh, a couple of them, uh, Carla Harris, who's over at JP Morgan. Um, I'm sorry, at, uh, oh, I can't even say, I believe I said that. Carla Harris is <laughs> Morgan <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking to somebody from J.P. Morgan today. That's where that came from. Um, and uh, Mindy Grossman, who's over at WW. And um, so I'm going on this walkabout. I take time. I go visit a couple cities and sit down with folks. And um, I'm talking to Mindy, who is uh, I've known for several years, huge corporate crush of mine. And at the end of it, she's like, did you say you're an artist and you, you know, are... Um, having your own art show because I did commit to that when I left I would have my first art show solo um I had been in exhibits all throughout but what I really wanted my own and so I said yeah you know let me show it to you and she's like you don't look like a quilter this is really strange right and so I'm like pulling it out and she's like Kim this is amazing and I have to give it to Oprah for her birthday I mean she didn't even <laughs> You're like, you just said this all in one <laughs> sentence. I'm like looking at her like, what? I was like, Mindy, I'll make you a quilt for Oprah. She's like, no, 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 no. I like this one. <laughs> and, and Laura, I had never sold my quilts. Uh, people had offered, but they were like my kids. They were like my babies. Um, and so, but you know, it's like, absolutely. We'll sell this one. So I sold my first quilt to Mindy and uh, she gifted it to Oprah for her birthday last year. And um not only did she decide to do that, she invited me along to meet her. So I got to meet her and um, it was really like affirming for me um, back to that prayer, um, you know, to God, I had asked, you know, am I on this current path or should I, should I go after kind of what I wanted to do? And being an artist and launching a gift quilt company was really my dream. So, uh, you know, people did do love my quilts. I, I'm so, I've actually sold like six of them since that time. So over the last year um, and you know, that I sell them for like between four and $6,000 um, each, which is pretty amazing. And awesome. it's awesome. Um, but I want to be able to touch more people with the quilts. So I've always wanted to replicate my quilts and um, I, I, no, we can't see it because it's not on a podcast, but let me tell you about my first quilt. So my first quilt that I quilted when I was 25, um, I made a quilt with my grandmother. I'm an AKA. So we made an AKA quilt together the summer she taught me. But the first one I made that was like a storytelling quilt, it was a picture of a woman, black woman looking in the mirror. And it said, the heart of a woman will never be found in the arms of a man. And I wow. usually lay down what I want to remember on the quilts. Um, and I, what, you know, you can lose yourself in a relationship and it actually makes you like not as attractive right? <laughs> to lose yourself. And I just, I, I wanted to capture this idea of, you know, loving yourself first makes you the most attractive and making sure that you were taking care of your own heart. Um, and so, yeah, so they were deep, they're deep stuff. I had one um, of a woman 
holding two books, one behind her that said their way and one that's in front of her that says my way, because I felt like so many of my friends, these were early thirties, um, were trying to live life the way other people felt they should instead of Mm -hmm. reading from their own book, right? So these were like deep moments where I just wanted to capture, you know, like I want to, something I want to remember. So I wanted to be able to do that for more people and have more people like get my quilts. Um, And so I tested with Oprah and with Mindy. I gave them both a quilt um, that had words on it and the reaction was fantabulous. Um, And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start this company. So uh, during COVID, yes, during COVID, I decided to start a business and I'll be launching my gift quilts uh, in early March. I'm super excited about it. So much fun. Uh, but I also wrote a book uh, called The Intentional Pause that helps women with that permission to pause. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm launching kind of like my personal brand that includes this book and these quilts. And I just, I think um, Carla Harris gave me some, some fan, fantastic advice um, because I wanted to sit down with Carla because she is obviously, um, you know, one of the most amazing women in business, but she's also a singer um, and, you know, actually has sang Carnegie Hall. And so she has this left brain, right brain thing going. And I really wanted to talk to her about that. And she suggested that I get after bringing to life what I wanted to do for at least 18 months. And I would know so much more on the other end of it. And if I could have told you that, you know, within 18 months, all the things that have happened have happened the way that they did, I just wouldn't have believed you. And, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm, right. I'm, I'm working my butt off like way harder, um, but I'm, I'm loving it. And uh, it's very exciting. And I, I actually really enjoy coaching other women through this idea of, uh, you know, being still and really figuring out what are your deepest desires and then how to move towards them. Right. So super fun. That's what, that's what I'm doing. Wow. Yeah. Oh, just a few things. Just, you know, Oh, Hey Oprah, here's a quilt. (laughs) And and, Oh, by the way, I'm going to sell these more. I went from four to (laughs) $6,000 and we're going. And here's a book to actually help you figure out what the hell you're doing and because I can't and you said you're an AKA because of course yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um like I mean there's so much Kim oh my gosh okay um I guess I'll talk about the book um you know I think it's it's fascinating that you're writing you have this book at this particular time because I think the one sort of ray of sunshine that's come out of a very dark cloud that we've all been in as a result uh oh is that it's given people a chance to fully acknowledge the fact that they need to take a step back. And you need some stuff to kind of help you figure out what to do for that step back. Because we were all going 11,000 miles a minute. We were all chasing yeah. our like diamond status on Delta and flying here, there and everywhere and meeting, 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 more conversations, more conversations. And so to have a kind of forced upon you pause <laughs> because you yeah. have to work from home um, has given us all the the space to actually spend the times in ourselves and 
a book like yours is so very necessary. What has been the response so far? I know you just kind of, it's mm-hmm. just launched, but like, I'm sure that you've talked to lots of women about it so far. Yeah. What have folks been saying? <clears throat> so um, one of the reasons why I made it, it's a workbook um, because my research showed that women wanted, you know, it's one thing to read someone else's story or to, you know, there's a lot of fantastic books that help you get over your fears and they're very important and play a role, but like, I need something that I could actually like do and something that could help me. Um, And so it's, I wanted to develop a process. So I come from that world, right? Strategy, operations and all that. So I, I developed this, this approach And so one of the responses has been, thank you for the approach. Like, thank you for outlining for me and curating for me a number of exercises. Um, So there's like five steps to the process. And I say that each one is an intentional pause, right? It's a set of intentional pauses in the workbook. But the, the first thing is that I ask people to find a space for solitude and Yes, we've all been paused and, you know, solitude does not necessarily mean being alone, like knowing how I'm an only child. I know how to be alone with myself, but it does not mean that you're being intentional about your thoughts. And um, a lot of us are out of practice of, of what it means. I, I did discover when I left corporate America, I have emotional laryngitis, which means I'm not very, I was not very in tune with my emotions um, because I usually didn't have time to deal with them. Um, and so, so thank you for the process. Um, you know, there's, there's audit. I have you audit, not just your parts of your life, but actually something that I call your forest, which is why people give up. It's uh, the emotional plan that I want everyone to develop is your fears, your obstacles, your relationships, your um, emotions and your self-talk. So I actually have you audit that side of your life. Um, And then dream. There's a number of uh, exercises that help you dream. Um, Activate, which is probably a lot of women um, that set goals and get after them know how to set a goal. But I challenge you to like get after your dream goals, um, but put together an action plan, which most people who are slaying it know how to do. But I'd say the big differentiator is fortify, which is the emotional plan, which is where I have you dive in and look at your forest, uh, your fears, your obstacles, your relationships, your emotions, and your self-talk to develop an an emotional plan to go with your action plan. Um, And then the last step is fortify. So thank you for the process. The other big thing I didn't expect um, was, well, one I didn't expect was the emotional plan does seem to resonate with people and they're like oh my god like (laughs) this idea of actually thinking about that side of things and why am I afraid and what kind of relationships do I need on this journey and the fact that my self-talk is sabotaging me you know like we all know these things intellectually but to actually like spend some time writing it out and thinking about it and then coming up with how am I going to deal with this um, has been big. And then the third one that the thing I didn't expect is that um, people are buying the book for themselves, which is what I want. I, I thought it was a self-purchase, but I have sold four and five to the same person because they want to gift them to other people. So I did not expect that. Um, so people uh-huh. are, are buying it for other, other women in their lives. 
so that's fantastic yeah it's good stuff <laughs> awesome and so much and and what you actually need at this moment i think that's the thing that people forget sometimes that it's yes. you you need we need the steps especially when you're a high flying and you know boss lady type like you actually kind of need the steps like i say this all the time it's like talk to me like i'm five <laughs> yes. because yeah. i need to actually do the process or i'm never gonna do it like i will be able to prioritize but you need to tell me what to do well and you know um, we're and- all on this treadmill and know how to be really super uber efficient i i that's why i thought the process would resonate because it's <laughs> it's about efficiency <laughs> instead of trying to figure it out yourself yeah so it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's so much so you know thinking about this um what and what you've been able to do what do you think you'd tell 25 year old kim um so i'm i'm excited about the book i think it will really help people but i'm most excited about this gift quilt company and what i want to do there i want to have quilts that help people in their emotional journeys and I would have told my 25 year old self, I mean, I had, I wrote the first business plan for this 15 years ago. And uh-huh. I wish I had done it sooner. Like I would have said, get after it sooner. Say yes. Um, have the foresight and confidence to, you know, get off that treadmill um, and build your own thing. Um, and, and I think, I think I'm doing it at the right time because one of the things I believe deeply is we're, and I encourage the women I talk to, to do the thing that you're uniquely positioned to do. And that, that is only the thing that you can do because of your experience. And I know that my experience and everything that I've done has brought me to this moment. Um, so I don't regret anything, but I, I do wish that I had started getting after things that I was more passionate about sooner instead of saying, oh, at this time, I'll do that. Or at this time, I'll do that. Um, but why not now? Like, why not? Um, and I would have thought about multi-generational wealth differently as well. <laughs> so there's that. Those are the two things that, um, that I probably would tell my 25-year-old self. And, and we're not talking about love, but that, 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 those are the- <laughs> no, we're not even going to go there. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Although I feel like, you know, it's funny, like having done, oh my God, I've lost kind of how many episodes for 29 Days of Magic at this point. Um, Which is so awesome, by that, the way. It's so great. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. Um, it, the, the black love and choices and partners has been a, an undercurrent on a number of these episodes. For sure. To the point where I'm like, I, I, I do think I am going to do something around it. Um, uh, maybe, maybe in March, maybe in April, just because it's, it is a sort of fascinating to sort of see what the world looks like. Um, single partnered married long time, married divorced with kids without kids and what that looks like for um, black women. Because again, folks don't talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. And so, and one yeah. of the big parts about doing um, this series has been to sort of bring a lot of the things to the surface that folks don't oftentimes talk about. Mm-hmm. Like who, like when you, when you know it needs to walk away, what about generational wealth? What does that look like? 
Um, and how do you take a step away when you're like, yep, this is the moment for me to move? The power of prayer in terms of mm-hmm. like, no, asking for that. Um, like we don't oftentimes see this because again, it's like we're supposed to be these perfect Autobots in order to get to a certain thing. And that just isn't the move. We can. Uh, and we are multidimensional. We have different things we have to concern ourselves. We have different obligations. And those all make us up into you know unique individuals in business. And you know, the more that we can share, the more other folks can see that it can be done a lot of different ways. Um, and most importantly, put yourself first. Yeah, and practicing vulnerability is not something that's been so intuitive, right? To, <laughs> to it, it, it really is not. Right, that's a generation. You're supposed to be an Autobot. You're not supposed to have sensibilities. I'm supposed to like have a degree of any vulnerability because you're supposed to be superwoman. You're gonna put yeah. the mountain on your back and keep on moving. And we know that yeah. is just not the case. Yeah, um, and I, can't I be. lucked out because like I, my, I have the best partner, especially for where I am in my life right now. Um, and I think when you've been, I've been married 21 years, when you've been married a long time, I think you've, you've got to figure out like, how to grow separately without destroying each other um, and then how to grow apart without being completely reliant on each you know what I mean like I mean no grow together without you know um, being totally reliant on on that being your only growth right so there's this idea of growing separately and growing together and thank god I'm not the woman that that man married um, and he's not the man I married right and so um, we've learned so much along the way, but you're, I think you're on to something with that. Um, because I do, I am the mentoring that I have done with younger women. We are always talking about the love life in addition to the business life. Like they're, they're, they're so intrinsically related. Right. So I think you're on to something right there. That's big. Oh, Lord. Giving mm-hmm. me more mm-hmm. work to do. Thank you, Kim. Yeah. You're welcome. You're <laughs> like, welcome. Like, I didn't have enough to do already. Like, you know, I, I only run three of our companies, but yeah, sure, let's throw another one on you. <laughs> like, you know, um, I've given you permission yeah, to pause, so there's that. You know, this is true. I mean, you, I just, I, yep, that, I saw that coming from a ways. Back. Yes, you have. <laughs> you can say no. I do talk about that. The idea of saying no and letting go and saying hello to new things, you have to make room. That means you have yeah, to say just, no. You, you absolutely do. No. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about a lot of this, um, it, it, self-care is really important. And I think it kind of mm-hmm. goes back to the vulnerability. And it's why I started asking this question two years ago, well before COVID, um, because I've always been fascinated by the answers, especially for men in business. Um, and the answers I've had over 29 days of magic have been amazing. So I'm fascinated what your answer is going to be. Kim, what do you do for self-care? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I will tell you that I'm not going to give you the usual suspects that I also do do, though. Like I do exercise. I do drink water. I do try to eat well and sleep. Sleep is really important. Um, and I love a good spa day. Oof, Laura, we have got to do that. We did talk about that. Um, yes, we do. A spa weekend. Come to the East Are Coast. We? Let's yeah. come, come to no. Come to the East Coast. I will take you to Miraval. Yes. You lose your mind. It will be the best spa experience. <laughs> I, 
I have a call with them today. <laughs> so you should do an intentional pause retreat right there. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, um, well, but can. but one of the yeah. things that I learned in the last eighteen months that I think is something I wish I had done more often is I mentioned uh, emotional laryngitis. Um, I wasn't in tune with how I feel emotionally. And I got, I was on my walkabout, I was talking to someone and they gave me the assignment to, they gave me a, a, a feelings wheel. So it goes deeper into how you feel, not just mad, sad, you know, it goes much deeper. And I put it in the book because it was such, it was mind blowing for me that she asked me to name how I felt three times a day. And I didn't know how to do it. Like I, I didn't, I didn't know how to answer it. I didn't even know how to ask myself, how am I feeling? Like I didn't know how to do that. Wow. And so I did it for 30 days. And what I learned was the more in tune I am with how I'm feeling, the more I can figure out what I need. And the ah. less likely I am going to make an emotional decision because the thing about emotions is they are fleeting. Um, and when you start to pay attention to them, you start to see the shifts and the patterns. And um, once I understood that I wouldn't be in a moment that was sad or low for long, or that there were certain things that elevated my mood, like my day goes infinitely better if I start out the day with a gospel song loud and in my ear. So I'm like, why don't I do that like every day? Like, <laughs> I do that every day. Um, and so I, I do that for self-care. That has been my biggest change is that I pay attention to how I feel so I can figure out what I need. Look at you with all these gems here. See? Yeah. <laughs> like, like this, and this is why you're on the show. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I mean, it, real. The, the laryngitis thing is real. Um, like that is... I, I heard that nothing. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> that just hit me. Yeah. <laughs> Emotional laryngitis. And, you know, I got one more for you, which is you, you know, for me, I am a quiet extrovert. So I'm behind the scenes. I'm very comfortable being in front of the scenes, but I seek behind the scenes. And so this mm -hmm. idea of being on the stage and talking and telling my truth more because it's my part of my story. I had to connect my head with my heart because your voice is right in the middle, right? And if your head's not connected to your heart, what, what's coming out your mouth is, you know, is not authentic. So I, I had to get heart-centered. Um, so that was another big Damn. one. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> got me all deep you know, on here. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting all getting all deep here. I'm like, good woman please well it's interesting because like uh it, it's like I always say that I'm an uh I'm an introvert with extrovert tendencies mm -hmm. which means I can turn it on when I'm in a crowd and like you know be the master of ceremonies and be your host with Moses but I'm much happier being an introvert like I've been fine being inside for a year I'm like yeah all right like that's not yep. so um but I also think again I think it's similar like it's sort of I know how to like I've finally kind of gotten around to sort of sharing my vulnerabilities and like I've always been like 
yeah, you don't want to hear my story. Like everybody else can do their story. Like I, you, mine, not necessarily. But I realized that like, one, there is a level of freedom that comes with sort of sharing your own truth. And where you, and, um, yes. and when you do that, it also opens you up to a lot more opportunities. Cause I, I feel like, you know, I've been able to do a lot more interesting things in the past year that I've probably done in the last 10 years because you, you're getting a bit more of a unfiltered Laura um, who, you know, clearly is just like, yeah, this is just, this is a deal. <laughs> um, and so that level of freedom is wonderful. And also that freedom is powerful and can be profitable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so- yes, yes. I had an executive coach tell me once that, um, my path to go climbing the corporate ladder had to do with my level of vulnerability with the leaders well, around me. We had the and same you know, as a black woman, you're like, wait, what? Because I got to show up perfect. What are you talking about? Like, I, I see I around me that you. a lot of people can get a lightweight with a lot of things that I can't. So I got to show up. So I tested it. Um, it was so funny because, you know, I had just gone to a Little Wayne concert. And <laughs> so everybody's talking about what did they do for the weekend? I was like, oh, I went to Little Wayne and got a contact eye, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, I'm like leading a leadership team meeting and uh, with the executives of the company. And I'm like, yeah, I went to a Little Wayne concert. And I was really surprised by how many of the, the people around the table's kids went as well. <laughs> so it was, it was just funny. It was just funny. It was just a little test. And I was like, look at that. It was a connection I didn't even expect. Exactly. What the thing is, I think it's, it's kind of the most important is it like, you know, I, I think you and I had the same business coach because <laughs> my coach has been saying this to me for years and I refused to, uh, to uh, give in to that until last year because I'm like well I'm home and he's like he's like the more vulnerable you are the more visible you are the more opportunities you're going to come your way um and I was like "Ah." and then when we're in the midst of the pandemic and my the industry that I'm in collapses upon itself I'm like well you know what (laughs) I might as well just take his advice at this point and you know um it's been for the better I mean we're insanely bigger than ever which is bizarre world um and but I do and you know I have a different voice in our industry that's now being recognized I've been advertising for 14 years I've never won an award in the last two months I've won two so standing uh Thank you. So I think he, he was right. <laughs> He'll get a bonus at some point. I'll send a bottle of wine. <laughs> um, but like, you're right. I, I think that those are really key things that are necessary for us as Black women, especially as executives, as leaders, as senior folks who people look up to, um, to show that vulnerability. Yes, talk about the Lil Wayne concert. Right. Um, talk about my that obsession so with Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, it's Atlanta because duh. <laughs> it's cinematic gold. Um, but yeah, like you're, who you are actually does matter. And I think even though we've been taught to be these perfect Autobots, it is no longer the case that we can, you know, we can no longer be those Autobots. We have to be ourselves. And if yes. y'all don't deal, fine. Somebody else will happily come take us. 
Yes, it is. Uh, and, and you do have to do excellent work. I mean, that's important, uh, but you can definitely show up as yourself. There's nothing. Bring your whole self to the office, as the kids say. (laughs) Uh, And last question for you. Uh, Do you have a give and or ask of the audience? Um, Well, my my ask would be um, for you to give yourself permission to pause. And if you feel like you need a personal strategy or you want to revisit um, that and figure out what you're uniquely positioned to do, I would say go ahead and buy my dream workbook, um, which you can get on kimalexisnewton.com. I'm launching my new site on March 1st, uh, but you could go there immediately and, um, you know, put in your email and I'll let you know when uh, I'm launching a new one. But that, that is, I think I, I want a world where more women and men, but more women are following their dreams. And I think it would just be a better place. Um, and so that's why, that's why I, I created it. Um, so I'd, I'd ask you to, to engage and then check out my quilts because they are kind of cool. I mean, they are so cool. I'm so excited about them. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited about uh, them. <laughs> and where can we find them, Tim? Everything's on kimalexisnewton.com. So awesome. Right at Kim oh. Groovy. Uh, so, Kim, it has been a absolute delight having you on the show. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy I got on Clubhouse <laughs> that day <laughs> to meet you. I know, right? All things that are Laura. Yes, you're a force, my friend. You are a force. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I try. Uh, <laughs> so we'll put all the details in the show notes for folks to go to kimalexisnewton.com, buy her quilts, buy the book, um, get soaked up in all the good energy that she just radiates when you see her words or hear her voice on the podcast. Um, and thank you so much for being part of uh, 29 Days of Magic. Uh, you just dropped gem after gem after gem after gem after gem. Yay. <laughs> um and that was such a delight. So thank you so very much. You're absolutely welcome. That was so fun. So, so awesome. Fun. And that is our show.